Hello, and welcome to this podcast of Sunday Sermons from Concord United Methodist Church. We hope that you'll find this message to be meaningful, insightful, and a refreshing part of your daily walk with God. Please feel free to share this podcast with family, friends, or anyone else who might benefit from it. This podcast is part of the digital ministries of Concord United, and we are grateful that you have chosen to experience worship and God's Word with us. For more information about Concord United and its ministries, please visit our website at concordunited.org. Several years ago, uh, my mom had declined in her health due to a series of falls. She at 93, 94 years old, was sharp as a tack after she had her first fall. Uh, the surgeon asked, well, how's her mental ability? And I said, well, you know, she could probably do your taxes today before this surgery, and I don't know what will happen tomorrow. And she could have. She did taxes for much of her life. Very bright. But, but over a period of several falls and several surgeries, uh, it, it really took its toll. And mom wound up at 95 in a nursing home uh, and, and essentially a dementia patient uh, as, as the trauma and the surgeries had taken their toll. So I say all that to say this, at, uh, about six or eight months before she died, uh, Lynn and I were blessed by some friends to uh, take a trip to Italy for our 35th wedding anniversary. It's about nine years ago. And um, we uh, had, a, had a wonderful trip. I told my mom before we left, I told her many, many times, now mom, because we were going between my, my brother and me and his wife and Lynn, uh, somebody from our family was at her in her room practically every day. And uh, so I told mom, now mom, I'm going to be gone. I'm going to be gone. And she seemed to understand. So I was gone about 11 days when I got back and went to see her. She was just distraught and she was very weepy. And she said, I didn't think you were ever coming back. And I said, well, Mom, I, you know, I, w- I went on a trip to Italy. And she seemed to, she seemed to remember that as I filled in some of the details. But the big thing she said, that, that, that uh, the reason I mentioned it this morning, is that she looked at me after a minute and she said, you just seemed so far away. And subsequent to that, I think that sort of all got jumbled up in there. And sometimes I would go see her on successive days. And when I would go see her, she would say, oh, oh, I'm so glad you're back. You just seemed so far away. And that happens sometimes to persons who are dealing with dementia. Or it happens to people sometimes whenever they're going through all sorts of difficult situations. And sometimes we feel like that toward God. And we ask that question, God, I'm in all this trouble. I don't understand what's happening in my life, and you just seem so far away. It's been going on since God has been communicating with his people for however long that's been. Uh, It happened with his people, the people of Israel, the people that, that he started with, Abraham and Sarah, so long ago and formed them into this great nation, the Jewish people that we would call them today. They were his people that he formed them, but sometimes, even as he led them, toward the promised land, and even after they got there, they would get themselves in trouble, and, and because of the situation, God would seem so far away, and they would cry out to him. Um, when he all along was always working on their behalf and always nearby. But situations can cause us to lose sight of, to lose track of, and to be, seem apart from the presence of God. 
So we're going to talk about that this morning as we continue our series, Why God? And we wrestle with these things that happen to us that, that, that we think somehow betray this God who we know loves us and cares about us. We look at the cross and we learn that. But, but sometimes the situation betrays that. And, and we wonder, where are you, God? Uh, and, and I want to submit that there are three passages of Scripture that can help us with that, all coming at it from different angles. The third one is going to have a, a real twist and a kind of a surprise ending to this whole thing. So hold on to that. But let's start with Psalm 13. Uh, this is one of those great and I say great, even though it's hard to listen to, it's great because it'll, it gives us language when we pray this psalm. And I've prayed this psalm to God before. It gives us language that we might not find on our own to be really honest and real with God. So let me, I'm going to read, read it in sort of two parts. The first part of it, uh, the first four verses of Psalm 13. How long, Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? Look on me and answer, Lord my God. Give light to my eyes or I will sleep in death. My enemy will say, I've overcome him and my foes will rejoice when I fall. There's more than a little bit of anger in those words as the psalmist addresses God. And, and I think that's, and I love that God put that in the Bible for us to understand that God wants to be a part of our life, period. Not just when we're feeling all holy and we lift our hands in praise, but when we are feeling angry and we pound our fist and go, what is going on, God? He wants all of us. He wants every situation because he wants to be a part of it. And anger is part of that. Um, but I want to say this about our anger with God, which you should never be ashamed of or feel badly about. It's just part of being human. But sometimes... Our anger happens because we have these unspoken expectations of how God is going to behave and how God is going to respond to us. And we have this mistaken belief, and I'm, I'm guilty of it, and, and you may be too, that somehow everything should just be fine all the time because I love God and I know God loves me, and shouldn't everything just be okay? And so then when thing, things aren't okay then we get angry. God, what happened here? We forget all about the wonderful things that God has provided all along the way, all the love, all the people, all the provision, all the forgiveness, all the reassurance, all of that that we get in his word and we know through personal experience, all that goes out the window when something goes wrong and we get angry. And there's a couple of things that I want to mention about that. And, and by the way, I've, I've gone through all this myself this week, so I've already dealt with this. But, but I think it's helpful to remember that God promises his perfect presence, not a perfect life. It's not in the Bible anywhere that God says everything is going to be perfect. God deals with life as it is, and that's what's so beautiful about the Bible, because it has the whole spectrum of living from deep sorrow to the highest joy. And the other thing is, is that God promises his faithfulness, not our happiness. It's, it's just not in there. 
And so I like to keep those things in mind so that I don't start making assumptions about God just because things may be going wrong and I assume that God doesn't care about me or love me anymore. So here we have this psalmist, and he's crying out to God, why, why, oh Lord, how long is this going to go on? Will you forget me forever? But then on a dime at verse 5, it changes. But I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing the Lord's praise, for he has been good to me. Talk about, talk about a reversal. But I think the difference is this. I think the first part of it, the psalmist is looking at the situation with his eyes. He's looking at it with his human nature, with everything that's flesh and blood about him. And that's only human. That's okay. We do that. And God knows that. But then I think this turn happened because the psalmist remembered as this song, and I appreciate Mike has had two great songs to lead into this this morning. It was a different one in the first service. This one I love because it talks about God of our fathers. It talks about this connection with God now and God then and God always. And so what happens in the psalmist remembers, as he says in his own words, I will sing the Lord's praise for he has been good to me. And he's remembering all that. And so then suddenly his faith takes over and he's able to see that God is still there. You know, Martin Luther, who was the great reformer back in, you know, hundreds and hundreds of years ago, uh, he made comments about several passages of Scripture, has commentary, in fact, uh, pieces of it here and there. And on Psalm 13, Psalm 13, Martin Luther said this. He said, Psalm 13 reflects a state in which, this is awesome, in which hope despairs, and yet despair hopes. And there in that paradox, there's faith is in there somewhere. That's the reality about our faith. It's both and. hope, the hope that's in us, sometimes it despairs because we're only human. And yet then, even at the same time, because of our faith, despair hopes. When life is difficult, more than anything in the world, we want to know that God is there beyond a shadow of a doubt. But I would submit we're looking for the wrong thing in the wrong place. God is not there beyond a shadow of a doubt. I submit God is there within the shadow of a doubt. And when we are in the shadow of doubt in our lives, God is not just beyond that when the light comes. God's there with us to give give us his light even in the dark. Faith looks into the shadow of doubt and sees God. Our eyes may never get adjusted to the darkness that we're experiencing at any given time. And we can't, you know, sometimes your eyes will adjust where you can see in the dark, but sometimes it's so dark our eyes never adjust to that. But faith adjusts immediately. And faith can see God even in the shadow of doubt. Now, let's move to another passage that talks about someone despairing over the absence of God. 
This is from John chapter 11. This is the story about Jesus and Martha and Mary and their brother Lazarus when Lazarus had died. I've kind of broken it into pieces. It's a fairly long passage, but I think you'll get the idea of it from this. This starts in um, chapter 11, verse 1. Now, a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. This is one devoted follower of Jesus Christ. So, sisters sent, so the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. When he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. Nope, it is for God's glory so that God's Son may be glorified through it. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was for two days more. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now, Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Parenthesis, where were you? But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise in the resurrection at that last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die, and whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she replied. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who has come into the world. When Martha's life had turned upside down, she said the same thing that we say when our life turns upside down. Where were you? If you had been here, God, if you had been here, maybe this would have never happened. And that's, that's a fair concern. And it's true that Jesus had healed a number of people, and he even raised a um, a widow's son from the death, and also a synagogue ruler's daughter raised him from the dead. We, he, but, but we don't know that he did that for every single person in the region. My guess is that there were a lot of people who died, a lot of people who were sick that didn't get healed uh, during that period of time. We know that Jesus left crowds because they were just pushing on him too much, and he had to get away. Now, that doesn't mean Jesus was, was not compassionate at all. It's not what that means at all. But but what we need to understand is all those healings that he did, as beautiful as they were and as much of an impact as they had on the people who were on the receiving end, there was, a greater, there was something much greater going on. They were signs of this resurrection that Jesus had come to bring, and not just at the end of time, not just in the last days, but this resurrection power that was going to be available to everyone all the time. I mean, Let's face it, Jesus wondered where God was in his last moments. He doesn't ask where, but remember, when Jesus was on the cross, he was saying the same thing the psalmist said. Remember his words from Psalm 22? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And I think you could also parenthetically read in there, where are you now? That was his humanity crying out to God. And yet, even though he cried out as if he were someone who felt completely abandoned, he still cried out, which implies 
He knew that someone was listening. But what was God doing while Jesus was dying on the cross? Well, you know, we know that that there was a great darkness that came upon the land, and the earth shook from a great earthquake, and graves were opened up, and people came out of the graves and ascended to heaven. I mean, God was in the process of completely remaking creation while Jesus was on that cross. Jesus didn't just come so that one day we would be okay. He came so that we would be okay now. And God was doing all of that behind the scenes. And Martha didn't understand that, and sometimes we don't understand that. But it's really important to understand that when God seems hidden, God is in the hidden place working on our behalf. And we may not understand in the moment why God hasn't done exactly what we wanted him to do. And you know, to ask God to spare someone's life or to ask God to ease a sickness, that's, that's not an unfair request. But it is unfair to assume that because God doesn't do exactly as we said in the moment, that somehow he doesn't care or he's not around. He's working through all things for our greater good and his glory. It's just that in the hidden place, we may not understand that. That's where we have to see again with eyes of faith. And now, now here's the twist I was talking about. One more passage of Scripture. This one comes from the book of Job. If you've never read read the book of Job, Job was this righteous man who always tried to live according to God's law and plan. And horrible catastrophes, catastrophes, plural, fell upon him. He lost all of his land. He lost his children in this terrible set of circumstances. He lost everything. And finally, even his health to where he's, we find Job sitting out on a garbage dump outside of town with, with all these sores all over his body, and he's scraping them with a broken piece of pottery that he found in the garbage. That was his plight. He was in trouble. And so here's where we're going to pick up in the story in Job chapter 2, starting with verse 11. This is when three friends come to see him. When Job's three friends, Eliphaz the Temanite, Bildad the Shuhite, and Zophar the Namathite, heard about all the troubles that had come upon him, they set out from their homes and met together by agreement to go and sympathize with him and comfort him. When they saw him from a distance, they could hardly recognize him. They began to weep aloud, and they tore their robes and sprinkled dust on their heads. Then they sat on the ground with him for seven days and seven nights. No one said a word to him because they saw how great his suffering was. Those are good friends. If we were to go forward in the story, we know that they said some things that weren't particularly helpful in the moment. And you know that happens to all of us. I know that I have said things, perhaps before I spent a lot of time with people in trouble, before my days as a pastor, I'm sure I've said things that I meant for good to people who were suffering, and maybe they didn't land the way I wanted. It happens to all of us. And sometimes there's nothing better that we can do for someone who is suffering than to simply be with them. Because being with someone, taking time to go be with someone who is struggling, to do that 
is far better than any words we could come up with. We go back to Jesus on the cross as he's dying. You know his mother who's there watching this whole horrible thing unfold is, has got to be just coming unglued at the horror of what's happening to this child that she bore. And even from the cross, Jesus is moving people into her life, pointing to John to say, behold your mother, and to Mary, behold your son. He's, he's, he's moving people in to be there when he can't be to comfort his mother. Among other things, we're not going to get into some theological discussion of all that today, but certainly that was happening. Sometimes just being there when we don't understand, we don't have to understand, but just being there can make all the difference. When I was in seminary, this was far before mom died. This was back in the late 80s, uh, late 90s. Um, my dad uh, was dying of Alzheimer's, and my dad at one point wound up in the hospital shortly before he died uh, with Alzheimer's. And, um, and we, have, we had uh, small groups among students that we were put together with when we first entered. And this was uh, my uh, last year in seminary. So we'd become friends. We talked a lot. And we shared. And I'd shared this with the group. And one of my colleagues in the group had written this paper and was, was going to do this advanced study about pastoral care with persons with dementia. And she said, I want to share something with you, Larry. I know not, you've told me about your situation, but, but I want to share this with you. Because I had talked about how hard it was sometimes to go see Dad, just like Job's three friends, when they saw him, they were, they were horrified at how he looked. And that happens to all of us sometimes whenever we have people that we love who maybe have dementia or maybe something else terrible has happened. And sometimes it's hard to go into those rooms where people are. It's, it's very, I've prayed my way into a lot of hospital rooms and, and sick rooms and houses before when it was just, it was just so overwhelmingly difficult. And you don't have any idea what to say or do. But here's what she said to me. She said, when you go see your father, it doesn't matter if he remembers what you said. It doesn't matter if you talk at all. What matters is, is that you were there with him in that moment. And if he forgets it 30 seconds down the way, that doesn't discount anything. You were there with him in the moment. And just being there with him as his son, you're the, as I have a brother, but, but for me, I'm the only one who could be the younger son to him. I'm the only one who could play that role. Just go do that, and that'll be good enough. And I did, and, and I took that to heart, and I went to see him, and this was uh, the last time I saw him before he died. And he was in the hospital in Sevierville, and I'd driven uh, from West Knoxville to, to go see him. I was serving a church in Lenore City at the time. I had to get back, but I drove to Sevierville, spent a little time with him, and he would go in and out, you know. Uh, he knew he had Alzheimer's, and he hated it. But this was one of those moments where when I first got there, he was a little bit, he was fairly or, uh, oriented, but then he started to, started to drift off, and so I just sat with him. And he looked at me, and I looked at him, and not a lot of words were spoken. But I said, Dad, I've, I've got to go. I've got to get back to my church. Something was going on. And he said, do this for me, son. 
He said, my, no, his mom died 48, 49, I think somewhere in there, way before my, even my older brother was born. My mother is here. Would you please, I'm worried about her. Would you please go check on her? And I remembered what my friend said, and I smiled and I said, I will, Dad. I'm sure she's being taken care of, but I will check on her and make sure. And he squeezed my arm and he said, thank you, son. That's the last conversation we had. I'm glad we had it. Just, just to be there in the moment can make all the difference. Jesus was the flesh and blood presence of God, but Jesus is present in our flesh and blood when we go where he would go. Isn't that incredible? What a twist on this whole thing. When people are living a reality, when they're wondering what's going on, wondering where is God, you just might be the presence of God they need in that moment. And don't sell yourself short and think, oh, I could never do that. Of course you can, because you have the Holy Spirit living within you, and the Holy Spirit will mediate Christ's presence to them. You can give them that gift that perhaps no one else could. Mike had this wonderful turn of phrase in this paragraph he wrote for us. He put this whole sermon series together. And, and in the paragraph for today, he had this, and I didn't put it in my uh, words that, that go on the screen and, and online, but, but I love this. It says, when God seems to be nowhere, God is actually, now separate the W and the H from nowhere, God is now here. When God seems to be nowhere, God is now here. Faith looks into the shadow of doubt and sees God. When God seems hidden, God is in the hidden place, working, I promise you, on your behalf. And don't ever forget that you can be the flesh and blood presence of Jesus to someone who needs it desperately, someone asking that question. It's an incredible God that we serve. And the paradox of faith is hard to wrap our heads around, but that's when we just have to have faith and let faith be our eyes, follow our heart, and we'll find God every time. Let's pray. Almighty God, we thank you for your promises and unlike our ability sometimes to perceive your promises around us, we're, our inability to see you working, oh God, your promises never fail. And you have promised to be with us and to never leave. We remember Jesus' words, even till the end of the age, I'll be with you. So help us, O oh God, to see with our heart when our eyes fail and to see your presence, to find strength. And just maybe you'll use us to accomplish that for someone else. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this sermon from Concord United Methodist Church. This podcast is a ministry of Concord United, and we would love to hear from you. To contact us, please send an email to 
podcasts at concordunited.org with sermons in the subject line. For more information about Concord United, including worship times, service opportunities, mission efforts, and classes, please visit our website at concordunited.org. We also invite you to download and enjoy our daily devotional podcasts presented by the pastors and members of Concord United. Finally, we would appreciate it if you would leave a rating and a review of this podcast so that others can discover it and benefit from it.